Welcome and thank you for listening to the Okuo Church Podcast. We exist so that people will be in community with Jesus and one another. We'll do that by listening to God, loving people, leading by empowering others, and linking to our community. We hope you enjoy it. Hey, what's up, Akuo? I just want to take a quick second and welcome you to the community. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Abel, and I'm your worship leader here at Akuo Church. I'm so glad you're joining us today for the continuance of our series entitled Heaven and Holiness. This series has been all about learning the differences between what it takes to get into heaven and what it takes to live in holiness, because sometimes you can get the two mixed up. Now, don't get me wrong, they are very interconnected, but Pastor Humby and I wanted to make sure that our people, you guys, recognize the differences between them because we know just how easy it can be to miss. Now, I like to think of myself as a pretty observant guy. I don't tend to miss too many details, but when I do, it's usually because I was focusing on the wrong thing. For example, remember, I remember this time back in middle school, so like four years ago, that I really wanted to have all the cool hairstyles that famous soccer players would have. The spiky, full hawk look that was so popular back in the day. So that meant getting the most extreme holding gel that you could find and using a lot of it. And I did. That meant I would also run out of it a lot too. So one day I exhausted all of my moco de gorilla and had to go to the store to get some more. For whatever reason, on that particular day, at that particular store, there was none. But I needed to spike my hair up for the next day, so I looked around for the next, next best option. Something that looked extreme but was also affordable because, you know, your boy was balling on a budget. What I ended up deciding on was this really crazy looking hair gel with some lightning bolts on it. I figured that might even make me faster. So I go home and start using it, and it worked great. It didn't even, I didn't even miss my old hair gel. It held my hair up super well, and I couldn't be happier. That is, until a few days, maybe a week goes by, and I begin to notice something was slightly off. Something was a little bit different, but I couldn't figure it out. That is until my Thea pointed it out to me. Hey, Abel, I like that new hair color you're trying out. Dude! It wasn't just lightning gel, it was lightning gel. It was making my hair blonde. And I wasn't smart enough to grasp their clever play on words and actually read the label, but I was also too focused on how high my hair would go to actually notice the changing of colors. I missed the important details that slowly changed the intended purpose I was using something for. And it changed it into something that wasn't really meant to be. You guys ever have a slip up like this? You missed one crucial detail because you were focused on the wrong thing and it ended up taking you somewhere you weren't supposed to go. Maybe it wasn't blonde hair. Maybe it was taking the wrong turn on a hike because you were so focused on not tripping and falling that you end up looping the same route over and over again. Maybe you read a highway sign wrong because some crazy person cut you off and you're not having it. So you played yourself and threw your entire trip off course. Or maybe you're so focused on following your planner that you forget that it's supposed to serve you and not you serve it. I'm sure we've all been there one way or another. And it's something that one of Jesus's most insightful miracles tries to warn us about. But we can often confuse it for an offhand, fun party trick. For us to uncover what exactly I mean by that, I want us to reference the first century account of John. 
an uneducated fisherman who was somehow invited to accompany Jesus to live life with him. Well, he was so impacted while following Jesus around that he wrote an account of Jesus's life for all to read and know more about him. And I think this one, a lot of us will be particularly familiar about. So real quick, let's, let's take a pop quiz just to find out if we know what, what I'm talking about. Here it is. Jesus turned water into wine. You got it. You guys are Bible scholars. Humby, let's close it up. They know the Bible. We're good. No more, no more need of church today. Now, that's what I would have said if what we needed to know was the Bible. That's not exactly what we need to know. And if that confuses you, then you're in the right place because this is exactly the topic that I intend for us to uncover together today. Now, before we begin, let me give you a bit of the framework as to why I want to highlight this particular passage of scripture. I've come to find that this miracle that Jesus performs, the turning of water into wine, is incredibly significant as it was what many theologians would agree to be Jesus's first public miracle. And the word miracle translated from the original Greek language is literally the word for sign or something that points us towards the right direction. So this was the first big sign that Jesus gave to people in order to point them towards the true nature of his mission and his message. Now, not to brag, but I feel like I've performed a couple miracles in my time, one of which was writing this sermon. <laughs> I'm just playing, but real quick, I wanna give props to Pastor Humby because that dude has to do this every single week and I see him over here shaking his head. Humby, God be with you. Anyways, joking aside, I'm not really a miracle worker, definitely not compared to Jesus, the literal son of God. But if I did suddenly have the ability to perform miracles on command, I would probably take great care and consideration into what and where I performed my first public miracle. I mean, you would too, right? Is it going to be just in front of the family? You know, the whole family, like your tias and your tios and your cousins, or just the ones you like? Or are you going to the busiest place in town? Or maybe you're trying to get it on live TV. Actually, real quick. How many of y'all would just hang out on the couch watching TV forever because you never have to buy wine again? Any of us? You have a lot of options, so I'd really like to think that Jesus considered this too. After all, I believe that my God is a God of details and intentionality. So with that in mind, go ahead and read along with me in your Bible if you're one of those people, or by using your iPhone, iPads, or your eyelids because we'll have the scripture up for you anyways. All right, here we go. John chapter 2, verse 1. Here he writes, On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana of Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. So right away, there's two things that we can learn from this already. First, Jesus' mother was not Hispanic because, ay Dios mio, if you flinch, that's pretty, you know what I'm talking about. But just for clarity's sake, before anyone goes around calling their mom woman after church, Jesus wasn't being disrespectful here. We only read it this way because we're filtering this through a very Western lens. The term woman carried a very different meaning in the Jewish culture, and in fact, it didn't carry any negative connotations to it whatsoever. And it could actually be seen more as a term of endearment than a sign of disrespect. Similarly, the question he asked her afterwards doesn't translate very well into English either. 
why do you involve me can sound a bit arrogant, but it actually constitutes a phrase that is hard to translate well. In fact, the closer match to the actual sentiment of his question would be something along the lines of, what do we have in common? Meaning, your concerns and mine are not the same. So, mother, your concerns and mine are not the same. Which leads me into the second thing that we learned. Jesus pretty much invites us to search for deeper meaning in what he's going to do. So don't miss it. He says, my hour has not yet come. Jesus appears to be referring to something that he has yet to do, a plan, a purpose he has yet to fulfill, and he wants to give us a miracle. Remember, this is a sign that points us in the right direction as to what that is. We could actually say that Jesus was about to give us a little taste of the glory, quite literally, in fact. So let's pick up where we left off. Mary, Jesus' mother, just told Jesus the wine had been exhausted, and Jesus foreshadowed that something was going to happen. John continues his account. Here we go. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now six stone water jars had been set there for the Jewish rites of purification. Each could hold from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water so they are filled to the brim. Then he told him, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Wise is a couple that invites Jesus to their wedding, huh? Now that's a good word right there. And here's another one for free. Since I think now is a pretty good time to tell you my big idea for the sermon, you know, the thing that will help connect this whole talk together. Here it is. Jesus is the life of the party. Plain and simple. I mean, come on. What dying party would not be completely resurrected? Hmm? when nearly 200 gallons of the best wine you ever had suddenly appeared. That's a lot of happy juice. Jesus was the life of the party 1,000%. Now, to give credit where credit is due, in fairness, his mom did ask Jesus to help. And in being a perfect son and all, it would make sense for him to listen. And Mary had good reason to ask for Jesus' help. You see, back in the day, Jewish tradition and culture deemed it an utter disgrace for a bride and groom to fail to provide to their guests during wedding celebrations that typically lasted around a whole week. This shame would haunt them. The married couple would live their lives in shame. And to make matters worse, the groom even had a legal responsibility to provide a suitable feast for everyone. If he didn't, he could stand to bear a financial loss, say up to half of the value of the presents that had been brought to him. So it was a huge deal. Could you even imagine starting your marriage off like that? I've seen my friends stressed out about getting the details right for one night, so hosting a one-week-long party with such severe penalties sounds like an absolute nightmare. So it makes total sense that Jesus, the most compassionate and caring person to ever exist, would want to aid in the situation. But now I want to ask you a question. Does anyone here, for a second, think that Jesus revealed his power on a whim just because the party was slowing down. Yeah, I'm not really buying it either. Remember, Jesus had just enlightened his mother and us that his concerns and her concerns were different. 
I'm sure Jesus was well aware of the situation and the heavy burden the wedding carried socially, culturally, financially for the bride and the groom, he had a much bigger objective in mind. For while his mother was understandably immensely concerned about the newlyweds, Jesus was also concerned with all those who were about to enter into a different yet strikingly similar kind of lifelong relationship. In the Bible, weddings are commonly used as a symbol and sign of an eternal bond between two people. So it is also frequently used to describe God's relationship to us, the church. Here's a couple examples. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Or you have, for as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your sons marry you. And as a bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. Also, then the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Again, I'd argue that it is by no mere coincidence that Jesus's first sign of power happens at a wedding amongst all places, right? So what else could this miracle, the sign he gave us, be pointing us to? Well, here's my second big idea. Yep, I'm breaking the rules. There's two of them today. Here it is. Jesus is the life of the party. You look confused. Are you guys not tracking with me? Look, this one is different from my first big idea that Jesus was the life of the party. That one was Jesus is the life of the party. This one is Jesus is the life of the party. You guys still searching? Perfect. Then I'm modeling the example Jesus gives us to search beyond the obvious meaning and look for the deeper understandings behind who he was, what he did, and what he said. For those of you unfamiliar, the literary device that I'm using to try and blow your minds right now is called a double entendre, a play on words that is devised to have a double meaning, one which is usually pretty obvious, while the other requires a bit more thinking, and the last of which tricks middle schoolers into dyeing their hair blonde. That aside, let's use this as a warm-up to help us find the deeper meaning behind Jesus' water-into-wine miracle. Jesus is the life of the party. That one's easy, right? Jesus totally brought the fun to the celebration. If you ever get caught the life of the party, that's totally high praise. You're an incredible person that everyone wants to be around. I mean, who wouldn't when you're bringing all the drinks to the parties? Go ahead and invite me. But Jesus is the life of the party is different. The word life retains a similar meaning in both of these ideas. To be the life of the party means to be the thing that keeps a party alive, that which sustains, restores, or resurrects, right? But when we say party here, what I mean is a more basic definition of the word, a gathering of people who have been invited by a host. When you go to a restaurant, you'll typically get asked, how many people in your party? So it's not necessarily a bunch of balloons and hype music and drinks and dancing La Vibora de la Mar. It's a people gathered for a relationship, an eternal relationship. You starting to track a little bit here now? Jesus is what sustains the eternal relationship that he has invited us into. Jesus is the life of the party. And as we're talking about heaven and holiness, I want us to be crystal clear of this. Jesus is what sustains our relationship with God. Not good works, not religion, not even the Bible. I'm not saying that these things are bad, but I am saying that Jesus is infinitely better. Jesus is far better than the things that are supposed to be pointing us to him anyways. Those are all the tools meant to bring us closer to Jesus, not meant to replace him. 
So now that we had a little warm-up together, let's revisit the scripture and keep our minds tuned to search for the signs of Jesus' true message, that he is the life of the party. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now six stone water jars had been set there for the Jewish rites of purification. Each could hold from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water so they will be filled to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. There it was. Take a look at the containers that Jesus used to make the wine. He didn't serve them out of empty wine containers that were sure to be around. They had just run out. I'm sure there were plenty of empty vessels he could have used. Instead, the scripture points us to the fact that he used stone water jars used for the Jewish rites of purification. This was a practice a group of religious elites called the Pharisees would partake in, well, religiously. It was based off what God told Moses to instruct the priests to do when setting up where God's home was at the time, a place called the tabernacle. So check this out. Then the Lord said to Moses, make a bronze wash basin with a bronze stand. Place it between the tabernacle and the altar and fill it with water. Aaron, who was a priest, and his sons will wash their hands and feet there. They must wash with water whenever they go into the tabernacle to appear before the Lord, and when they approach the altar to burn up their special gifts to the Lord, or they will die. They must always wash their hands and feet, or they will die. Though started with noble intentions, issues began to arise when this practice became more of a misapplied, self-righteous tradition for the Pharisees than a genuine, life-giving act pointing us towards God. In fact, the tradition became so misguided that Jesus himself would actively ignore it because he knew how much the act felt to point people to God. The practice pushed scared people towards acts of self-preservation rather than towards the security of life that God actually gives. And it was so important to Jesus to communicate the truth that he and he alone is what cleanses us and gives us a life with God that he would use his first public miracle to help us understand this. Jesus could have used anything, anything to turn that water into wine, but he chose to upend the sacred religious item in order to redirect us towards the truth that Jesus is the life of the party. Pastor and author Bruxy Cavey puts it like this in his book entitled, The End of Religion. Jesus purposely chooses these sacred jars to challenge the religious system by converting the icons of personal purification into symbols of relational celebration Jesus takes us from holy water to wedding wine, from legalism to life, from religion to relationship. Remember how Jesus said that his concerns and his mother's concerns were different? Yeah, this is what he was talking about. Mary, being human like us, struggled to see past the immediate cultural and social consequences for the couple at the wedding. Jesus was interested in demonstrating that the mere practices of ceremoniously washing your hands was only an outer cleansing that you would have to do again and again and again, and that it would soon make way for the inner cleansing that Jesus himself would provide. And how did he cleanse us? With his last miracle, the final and most important sign that he uses during his human life to point us towards his true mission and true purpose. He bookends his life of performing miracles in the same way he started it by taking a religious icon, the cross, and transforming it into a symbol of God's infinite love and grace towards us. 
When Jesus took on a cross that was meant to bring death to his movement, it instead became the very thing that displayed the full power of his life-giving gospel. This gospel, the Jesus movement, is so important for us to know confidently that I want us to make sure that we all completely understand it. In fact, I've been having meetings with my own team to ensure that we all know what Jesus' true message is. So I want to share with you in the shortest, simplest way I can explain the gospel of Jesus to you. God saves sinners. God saves sinners. That's his message. And to nail this idea down, I want you to expand on this concept out loud with me so I know that you really get it. I want you to yell out wherever you are the part that, that I'm going to repeat after a question. It's pretty simple to follow, so follow me. God, who is God? You say, Jesus saves. How does he save? Jesus. Sinners. Who is a sinner? Everyone but Jesus. All right, let's try that again. God, who is God? Jesus saves. How does he save? Jesus, sinners. Who is a sinner? Everyone but Jesus. All right, all right, all right. One more time, but we're going to make it really loud now so the neighbors that, that, that are around us can hear this life-giving message and know that Jesus is the life of the party happening here at Akuo. So come on, God, who is God? Jesus saves. How does he save? Jesus, sinners, who is a sinner? Everyone but Jesus. God saves sinners. Guys, Jesus chose to give his perfect and sinless life in order to become the sacrifice for every single mistake that we would ever make, past, present, and future. Jesus completely transformed the continuous cycle of us having to cleanse time and time again for the one-time act of simply believing that Jesus is the life of the party, that Jesus is the one that restores and keeps alive our relationship with God for all of eternity. We add nothing, no good works, no impressive amount of Bible knowledge, no additional religious practices, nothing to his saving gospel except the sin that makes our salvation necessary, except the very reason he needs to show us his grace. And maybe God is messing with you right now. Maybe you feel this thing on the inside of you that is calling you to life and calling you to stop trying to do everything on your own. Instead, allow Jesus to fill you from the inside out. If that's you, I encourage you to pray this prayer to help us center our lives around who Jesus is and what he has done for us. And Nicole, you guys already know this. Nobody ever prays alone here. So let's all pray this prayer together. Just pray this along with me. Jesus, I give you my life. That's it. Just pray that with me. Jesus, I give you my life. Now, that's not everything you and Jesus need to talk about. This is just the beginning of a lifelong conversation, a lifelong relationship with God. So don't make it complicated right now. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. Amen. Now, let's keep our heads bowed and continue this prayer by trying to listen into what God wants to speak directly to each and every single one of us. So whether you just now prayed for Jesus to enter your life or you've been in a decades-long conversation with God already, I want to continue for us to seek this grace that God has given to us. Go ahead and pray something like this along with me. 
Jesus, thank you for being the complete and sufficient sacrifice that brings me back into relationship with God. I pray that there, if there's anything keeping me from fully relying on you, that you help me replace that with who you are, Jesus. The best I know how right now, I give you my life and I worship you with all my heart, all my soul, and all my mind. In Jesus' mighty name, the only name that saves, everyone said, amen. Well, hey guys, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Now, before we all go, I wanna make sure that we all know what's going on here at Akuo, because I don't want you to miss an opportunity for God to work in your life or use you to work in other people's lives. First off, we have a bunch of community groups that just launched a few weeks ago, and they're awesome. I wanna make sure that everyone knows that they're invited to the parties. So if you are interested in being a part of one of these groups, you can go to our website or check out our social media and click on the community groups link to check them out and get signed up. Now, speaking of parties, we're gonna throw a huge party for the greater community here in a few weeks. For the second year in a row, we will be hosting the Trunk or Treat here at Akuo Church on Saturday, October 30th from three to six. That's right, us calling to the calling at the first annual Trunk or Treat last year was actually right. And it was actually a super fun event for families and their kids, and this year promises to be even better. More candy, more costumes, more community, and that all equates to more fun. So if you're interested in being a part of this, we would love to have you serve in a vast capacity of roles here that day. You could help us by directing traffic, you could decorate your car and hand out candy, you could help us set up and tear down the things we need, wrap bags of candy, donate treats, and so much more. So visit our website or go to our social media pages to get signed up. Now, the thing I'm most excited about, however, is what is happening the very next day on October 31st. We are planning our first ever baptisms here at Akuo, and we want to invite you to get baptized here with us so that we can celebrate with you the decision that you have made to follow Jesus. Now, some of you might be like, I was baptized as a baby, so I'm pretty sure I'm good. Well, here at Akuo, we practice what are called believer's baptisms because we wanna encourage people to get baptized once they understand and believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and that by jumping in the water, you are just outwardly expressing this inner belief. And that can be pretty hard for a baby to fully grasp. But if you are someone who just decided to believe recently, this would be an amazing thing for you to participate in. Or if you were baptized as a baby, but now you want to stand up on your own and proclaim that you believe in Jesus on your own decision, you should get baptized too so that your church community can celebrate along with you. Like I said, this will be happening on October 31st. Halloween is Hallelujahween for Akuo Church. So if you're interested in this, you can go to our website and click on the sign up link or go onto our social media or just talk to Pastor Humby and I if you see us. We'll totally get you signed up. Now, the only reason we are able to do these things is because of you and your generosity. The reason we are able to empower leaders and link to our community is because you give to all of God's kingdom movements and trust that God wants to work through you here at Akuo. So thank you so much for your generosity. Here at Akuo, we practice the biblical method of generosity called tithing. And what that means is just giving a first fruit 10% offering to the storehouse, which is your local church. We know that when you trust God with what you have, there is great blessing. Now, 
that might not be a possibility for you right now. Things might be really tough for you and your family. And if things are tough for you, please allow us to help you out. We want to be linked to you during your tough time. So if you need anything at all, please reach out to us. Or if you know someone that needs some help, let us know. All you have to do is go to our website, akuo.church, and click on the Contact Us link. You can also send me an email directly at abel.ortega at akuo.church. And you can call or text the church directly at 210-901-8785. Now, if you are willing to tithe here at Akuo, the way you can do that is by simply going to our website, akuo.church. When you get there, all you have to do is click on the giving link and follow the instructions. We also have a text to tithe option, personally my preferred method, where all you have to do is text AKUO, A-K-O-U-O, and the dollar amount you want to tithe to the number 77977. If you don't want to give electronically, we also have our P.O. box available if you would like to send your tithe through a check. For that, all you have to do is mail your tithe to P.O. Box 100-125, San Antonio, Texas, 78201. All right, guys. That's all we have for you today. And I just want to remind you that I love you all and I pray for you every single day. So please allow me to pray for you one last time before we head out our separate ways. Jesus, as everyone clicks off their browser, turns off their TV and puts away their phone, I ask that you would be speaking to them. I ask that they hear your voice so clearly throughout the week. And most importantly of all, I pray that you would reveal yourself and help them fully rely on you for all the things that you have done for us, Jesus. To not rely on who we are and only on the blood that you shed. So God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this community. And we owe it all to you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. All right, guys, y'all have a great week and I hope to see you at a community group soon. Later. Thanks for spending time with us today. You can find this message and any recent sermon available on demand at our website, akuo.church. That's A-K-O-U-O dot church. Also, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching Akuo Church. Welcome to the community. We hope to hear from you soon.